it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hi everyone, thanks for listening to another episode of Dogman Encounters Radio. I'm Vic Cundiff and I'll be your host for the show. If you've had an encounter of your own and would like to speak with me whether in private or on the show, please go to dogmanencounters.com and submit a report. I'd love to hear from you. While we normally focus on Dogman on this show, For tonight's show, I decided to break tradition and bring on an eyewitness who encountered a different type of cryptid, what's called, seemingly, a cynocephali. Izzy, thanks so much for coming on the show. Hi, Vic. Izzy, please give us a brief bio on yourself. Well, I live in New Mexico. I'm in Santa Fe now. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, a long time ago. I'm a writer. I, uh, I'm currently working at a deli. You know, I just lead a kind of normal life, mostly. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. That's what we're all doing. 
What kind of interest did you have in monsters or cryptids as a kid? I've always had a bit of an overactive imagination, but I didn't have anything anything like a formal interest in monsters when I was a kid. I would watch Scooby-Doo and, you know, monster movies and gremlins and all that stuff, but I never really did any research on it before I was, uh, well, a teenager or before the, my experience. Oh, I see. Speaking of how you were when you were a kid, would you describe yourself as being an extrovert or an introvert? How would you describe yourself? I was a pretty shy kid. I was pretty shy. My family moved from Ohio to New Mexico when I was eight years old, and so there was an element of culture shock. And I, uh, when I was growing up, I always, I never quite fit in, you know. I'm not necessarily in a bad way, but I was always a bit of an odd man out. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. That describes a lot of people. This encounter that you had that we're going to talk about tonight, did that have any effect like making you more introverted? Um, I think to some extent it may have made it so I was more introverted in the sense that I didn't want to go out at night as much, like more introverted in a very direct sense. But other than that, not so much. Well, that's kind of surprising. Since what we're going to be talking about tonight is centered around the town of Moriarty, please tell us about that town. Moriarty, New Mexico is it's a small town. Um, I think it's about 30 miles southeast of Albuquerque, which is in the middle of the state. They're the self-proclaimed Pinto Bean capital of the world. They're named directly after the Sherlock Holmes villain, and they have a Sherlock Holmes Appreciation Society. But it's a small New Mexican town. It's centered on the highways, got lots of cornfields and pastures, which is around where I live near there, and lots of farming and cattle and all that. The landscape is very Great Plains-ish. Eastern New Mexico is very flat and yellow. That is some pretty unique-looking country out there, no doubt about that. You said it's the pinto bean capital of the world, huh? Uh-huh. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Why did your family move there in the first place? My mother had gotten some inheritance when her grandfather died, and she had family, had family out here in New Mexico. And that was just where we ended up. You describe the area around Moriarty in New Mexico as being kind of strange or kind of off. Why do you describe it that way? Well, it just has a certain presence to it. Like, when you're outside, you don't ever really feel alone. And I don't, I don't necessarily mean, oh, there are werewolves watching me or anything quite so histrionic as that, but just there's a presence to the place. And you kind of always feel it. And it's almost oppressive sometimes. And sometimes it even feels like it's manifesting in the weather, like the wind out there would get so strong it would blow the roofs off sheds or houses sometimes. Wow, that's no joke. Considering the fact that this place is in New Mexico, I'm wondering how close is this place, Moriarty, to the Crypto Four Corners area? It's very far away. I mean, the Four Corners is at the northwestern end of the state, and this is not far south, but it's several hundred miles southeast of there, at least. It's a big state. <laughs> oh, there's no doubt about that. It is sizable. The reason why I'm asking about that is, while what you saw is not classified as being a dog man, it is something that has a dog head on a man-like body. 
It kind of reminds one, like you said in the pre-interview, of a minotaur. In the Crypt of Four Corners area, minotaurs are just one of the many strange, strange things that people report seeing all the time. So I just I was wondering. Know that. Oh yeah, yeah, they sure do. I have to look into that. <laughs> yeah, if you look into that, you'll find that there have been a lot of sightings of things like that. In fact, I had someone on the show who, if I remember right, I think his wife saw some type of a strange, giant, sloth-looking creature or something out that way. Oh, I've heard of that one, yeah, yeah. New Mexico, is it's an odd little paranormal hub of activity in the United States and in North America because there's Roswell in the south and there's there's White Sands and there's all sorts of places that are kind of magnets for that sort of phenomena. It sure does seem to be a strange area. Although I can't say Moriarty specifically is one so much. Before you had your encounter, were there any other strange experiences reported in that area? I'm not sure. Like I was telling you uh, during our pre-interview, I had weird experiences listening to the cattle being attacked by coyotes and what I wasn't sure might have been something else. But I can't say that I'm aware of any other experiences that anyone reported there. Please tell us about the murder of Robbie Stroop and how you think the creatures you saw might be involved. Well... That was a boy who was killed shortly after, well, shortly right before uh, my family moved from Moriarty to Albuquerque in a cornfield that was actually up the street from our house, probably a mile up the road. And it was a big media sensation thing out there. He was found in 17 places through the cornfield, I believe, is what the last report I was looking at said on it. And they did arrest a man who they believed had abused that boy, but they couldn't find any evidence that that guy had killed him. And it's it's kind of hard to connect the idea of a human being being able to do... I mean, even, even like your Ed Gain serial killers or something wouldn't be able to scatter someone like that. And so... That happened a few years after my experience, and I always felt like that I knew what could have done it. When you heard about his murder, what effect did it have on your psyche, wondering if it was them that had killed him? Well, it chilled my blood, and even if I hadn't had that experience, that murder chilled my blood because it was right up the street from us anyway. Even if it had just been totally ordinary and they'd completely caught the person who'd done it, it would have it, it would have really freaked me out because it was so close. And this was a cornfield that my brother and I would feel, here's a corn from the edge of the field sometimes. And so it was close. Yeah, that did hit pretty close to home. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 
With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right, Izzy. If you don't mind, please tell us all about this experience you had. Well, I think I was 10 years old. This would be 1999. I think it was late summer, early fall. School hadn't started yet. And uh, I was walking home right around dusk from some friends of mine's house. My mother's property was on two acres. It was a trailer and there was a barn and it was right near a pasture and there was a pasture directly behind it. We had two entrances and I sometimes like to walk across the whole field that we had before I came home. So I was walking home and I was walking around the back and I was kind of following the fence line, kind of lost in thought. Well, our neighbors had and this was a very common thing. In the back of their property, our neighbors had a trailer that nobody was living in. When people would get new trailers, they would kind of sometimes, if they couldn't have the other trailer hauled off to the dump, they would just haul it to the back of the property and leave it there sometimes. And there was one of those at the back of their property. It was a totally normal thing. And I was walking the fence line, and I saw what appeared initially to be a man with something off about it, standing at the fence like a human. And it, it was dusk, so, I mean, I felt like maybe my eyes are playing some tricks on me. Or uh, it, It's sort of that odd twilight hour. I mean, if you've never had been at twilight in New Mexico, it's hard to describe. But we have very distinct light patterns and weather here. <laughs> but it was twilight, and I see this, this, what appears to be a man, sort of blurry, and I walked towards it, and I recognize that it is just odd that it has the head of a large wolf or dog. I, I, it's unclear to me which, just big canine-like head attached to a man's body. So from the shoulders down, it is a very large man. And not large in the sense of, like, a giant or anything, but large in the sense that it's a reasonably big, like, Schwarzenegger-sized man. Big, big, muscular. And it has this its head is 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 just like something you're not supposed to see. And um it had this very odd effect on me, like looking at it almost like, like a hypnotic effect. And I walked towards it and I stood across the fence from it. And the fence was probably five feet high and I'm looking at it and it's looking at me and it has these sort of ambery yellowish eyes that are kind of flickery, almost almost like luminescent, like electronic sort of. So the thought passes through my head that this is a person in a mask. But as I stare at it, it becomes clear that it doesn't quite look like that. It's too 
It's too flesh-like, too real. And it's looking at me, and I can't see its teeth, but I can see its tongue sort of dart in and out of its mouth a bit. And its ears are twitching. And I'm looking at it, and I... The only way to describe the presence it kind of imbued on me is almost like a like when you hear about a, a snake hypnotizing a rodent. It's it's terror, but it's also it, it's also like freezing. Like you don't know what to do. I'm gonna stay here and hope I turn invisible. <laughs> and I'm staring at this big man with this dog animal head. And I I really I don't know how long I stared at it. It was sort of one of those time was gone um sensations. I don't think I really stared at it very long, but it was looking at me, and it turned around and started walking toward the trailer. And at this point, my thoughts are racing, and I'm trying to figure out, okay, 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 what do I do? What do I do? Because I'm frozen. I'm paralyzed. It walks towards the trailer, and and its movement is that of a man. Its movement is not canine at all. It is a man. As it's walking towards the trailer, I'm looking at it, and I realize it sort of has odd clothing on. It doesn't have a shirt, but it has like hide pants like you'd see, like like you'd expect like a fur trapper in the 19th century to be wearing, but very thin. They're very thin, very worn hide pants that are a tan color, and it has these boot things that are sort of like a wrap, like there's a... Oh, what is the word for that? Um... I can't remember the word, but there's a specific term in Russian for these wraps that the Russian military actually wore until, like, very recently, instead of socks. It's like a, a piece of cloth that you wrap all the way up to your knee. Um, and it's made of this sort of similar, like, dark tan hide material. And I'm staring at its back, and I'm kind of watching, I'm just kind of trying to take everything in. And it goes towards the trailer, and it walks up the stairs, and it opens the door, and I see sort of the silhouette inside of another creature like it. I can see the white skin of another man, but the top of its head, like the neck, the the neck up, is still this black, dark shape. And I am pretty sure I know what it is, because I've seen this other one so closely. And they start... They they were talk they start talking, but the way they're talking it's not a language I understand. It's um it's well, when I got older I I heard what was what's called Mongolian or Tuvan throat singing. And it's kinda like that. It's a modulated whistling pitch talking that moves up and down, almost like a musical sound to it, like a musical growl that's vibrating. And the one on the stairs who I've been staring at it kind of waves its arm and gestures towards my direction. And that was when I really freaked out. I proceeded to bolt back to the trailer that my family lived in. I ran for my life. It was odd because it was so human-like that it was like 90% human, but it's the 10% that's not. It's like the Uncanny Valley concept, you know? The Uncanny Valley is this notion that uh, with robots that uh, a robot that looks almost human is going to terrify people the most. So when you see a mannequin that's very lifelike, but you can still tell it's not, it's sort of like that. It's so close to human, except for the head. And anyway, I, I bolted back home and, and went into my room and did not come out for the rest of that night, I believe. <laughs>
it, it just it, it exuded a presence on me is, is the only way to describe it like a hypnotism like like a mental uh no like there weren't any there wasn't a psychic connection or anything so obvious as that but there was well, it was like it left its footprint a mental footprint in my head yeah, and that was very upset it was it was upsetting although my memory is a little fuzzy about what happened after i got home exactly i mean i remember sort of being unnerved more so than frightened more just unsettled on a very deep level well i could understand why you would be so disturbed and unsettled how long after your encounter was it until you heard the term sinocephali? Oh, years. We didn't have the internet back then, so I couldn't just hop on. This is nine. I mean, this is 1999 in rural New Mexico, and uh, uh, anybody who has the internet is has dial-up, and most people don't. So I, I didn't, um, I didn't know what it was until I was a teenager. Uh, but I would see these, uh, I would see like werewolf movies. I would see American Werewolf in London or The Howling or, uh, Silver Bullet, you know, the Stephen King story with Gary Busey. <laughs> that's a fun one. But I would see those and I would go, no, that's not it. That's not, that's, no. I'm glad you did eventually find out about the term and find out that people have been reporting seeing sinocephali or things that seemingly are almost identical to what you say you saw that day. What, in all of your studies, what can you tell us about sinocephali? Well, sinocephali are part of a tradition in the ancient world of animal-headed people. You'll find all through these different cultures, particularly of the Middle East, uh, all through India and Greece, the center of the classical world, so to speak. These traditions of hawk-headed men and dog-headed men and all this stuff. And they're not necessarily connected to the idea of werewolves, even though there are similarities. And Marco Polo uh, wrote about there were claiming there were islands of Sinocephali. And in China, there's a rich tradition of stories about villages of Sinocephali. And to some extent, the idea of the Sinocephali from the Greek version of it, which is where I'm most familiar with and where is, which is where the word comes from, does stem from sort of a xenophobia of their neighbors. It's like, oh yeah, those people who live to the West are dog-headed cannibals. But it persists throughout antiquity and afterwards. Columbus claimed to have seen them, as did some of the Spanish explorers when they were coming into North America, some of them possibly coming into New Mexico, although I'm not sure the exact details of that. But the Sinocephali are basically described as men with the heads of dogs, but the man part is not is is not gone. It's not like the idea of a dog man or werewolf, which is a bestial thing. These people, these things are like, well, humanoid, mostly human. I've got to tell you, Izzy, it sure blew me away when I found out that people to this day are still reporting seeing them. How blown away were you when, in your research, you found out that that was the case? I was pretty blown away. I mean, it was... What I've been more blown away by is how... I don't know if lucky is the word because it <laughs> kind of freaked me out, but how uh, rare it would be to seemingly see one. Um, it doesn't seem like, I mean, dogman encounters and Bigfoot encounters, and these, there's all these there's communities of people, but for what I saw, there doesn't seem to be a lot of people who've seen them. It's, it seems fairly rare or incongruous. It sure does seem to be that way. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm not sure how familiar you are with the show, Izzy, but we have had guests on before who talked about sinocephali and their ties or possible ties to dogmen. Did you know about that? I've listened to a fair amount of your show, but I don't remember hearing that. Would you enlighten me on that? (laughs) I've been trying to remember which episodes we did talk about Sinocephali and their possible ties to dogman sightings, but I can't remember. That's something I'm going to have to look into. One thing that I do find very interesting about the word Sinocephali is etymologically it serves a very similar purpose as the word dogman, and that the ancient cultures did have traditions of werewolves, but the Sinocephali, I mean, the word Sinocephali essentially means dog-headed man, so it's used to distinguish it from an actual thing that transforms from a man in the same way that you have been using the word dog man. I don't know, Izzy. It's hard enough for me to get used to the fact that we have dog men out there in the world, but to get used to the idea that we have things that look like cynocephali, that's just so hard for me to process. It's been difficult for me to process. I mean, for me, there's always been an element of what I experienced where a part of my brain says, did you hallucinate that? Because there was such a unrealism to it. It was very surreal, you know? Oh, I'm sure it was. I think the hardest thing to process for me is the fact that you saw pants and boots. Now, we're not talking about Levi's and Ugg boots or something like that. You said they were animal skins, but still, for you to see something that looked like that, that had animal skin garments on, that's just so hard for me to process. You were there, you saw it, and you still have a hard time processing it and accepting it. That's one of the things that I found most interesting about the concept of the Sinocephali is that I'll send you this picture from what's called the, I think it's called the Nuremberg Journal, which is like a 14th century German etching of a Sinocephali. And in this picture, which might be the most well-known example of a picture of them, it is wearing a robe and it is wearing human clothing. I've seen that picture. I have trouble looking at that for more than a few seconds. (laughs) Yeah, it is pretty disturbing, isn't it? How did their behavior that night vary from what you'd expect a dogman's behavior to be? Well, I mean, a dogman or a werewolf, which 
from what I understand, if you're having an encounter with a dog man or a werewolf, you don't stop to think, to distinguish, oh, is this a dog man or is this a werewolf? No, it is this big humanoid monster. And these things weren't, I mean, they were unsettling, but they weren't necessarily monstrous, if that makes any sense. There was a human element to it. And when one of them pointed towards me, kind of gestured towards me, and, and they were just this whistling talk. It was very clear they were talking about me. There was an element of oh, the adults are talking. It was sort of similar to like when when uh, you're when you're in, when you're a kid and you're in trouble. It's like uh oh, because they feel closer to us than say a uh, beast of Bray Road or anything like that. They feel dangerous because they had this big muzzle and this mouth, and I didn't see the teeth. The teeth were hidden behind the lips like a dog, but and these unsettling eyes, but it's still, it's so human that you don't feel quite as, you don't feel that it's quite as predatory as, say, a werewolf would be. When you looked at their hands, did you notice any claws on their fingertips? No. From what I saw, their hands were perfectly normal. Well, the one that I saw, anyway, its hands were a man's hands. That is so disturbing. You mentioned how they seem to be hanging out in that trailer. Don't kids from time to time play around them so that they would notice if something like that was living in those trailers? Well, they would, but the kids certainly wouldn't go there at night. No way would any of the kids... I mean, that's one of the things I always ask myself is where were these things staying? And the only answer I have to that is, well, they may have been staying sleeping at some point in these various abandoned trailers. I mean, that is is a legit question because it's like... There, there's nowhere to hide on the plains, in the prairies. There's no, there's no forest. There's no trees. There's no underbrush. There's just sort of an expanse of blankness, and you have to go 20 miles north of there before you start getting into an area called Chilele with hills and mountains, where the mountains start to pick up the foothills. So, I mean, that's always my question: is where are they hiding? And the only answer I have is all these abandoned human structures, which there were quite a few in 1999, and there are probably more now, what with the economy being far worse now than it was back then. But again, I mean, you'd think the kids would notice them. But at the same time, I mean, I do kind of have this, I have this kind of idea that there are places that human beings instinctually don't go. And I think... If you're a kid and you're approaching a trailer and it has one in there, you kind of, something in there that you're not supposed to see, you get this sensation of, I shouldn't be here. And I think that, even though we don't think about it very much, I think that has an impact on our experiences with things that we would not consider normal. That's That sort of gut feeling of, don't go there. How far was that trailer from your home? It was a two-acre property, and our trailer was at the front end, and this was much closer to the back end. So this was probably a good acre and three-quarters away, because it was on the neighbor's, it was in the neighbor's yard, and it was separated by a fence. So a decent distance. Yeah, sounds like it was. When you're describing that area, you mentioned how austere the layout is. With that in mind, could you still see that trailer from your house, or was there something in the way? Because I know the fence you've been talking about was actually not a privacy fence, it was a wire fence. Yeah, it was to keep the dogs inside. I don't think it would be, because we had uh, we had what's called os trees, which are a kind of Australian willow that grow really well in certain parts of New Mexico. And we had, uh, we had some 
groves of them, and they're not thick enough to hide very much, but they can kind of obstruct your view a bit of something in the distance. That makes sense, then. I can understand why you wouldn't be able to see it. Please tell us about the parasitic element you think these things have. Well, I just, I mean, the, the idea of them living in this abandoned trailer is, it, it seems almost as if they were like, like they were squatting, you know, uh, like they were staying here because they're human enough that the word squatting seems to apply. And I just feel like, I felt like, uh, and this is a leap of logic, I know, but I felt like they were living off of our cast-offs, so to speak, which included the cattle and which I always wondered if the thing's clothing came from human cattle. I can't think of anything else it came from. But I always felt like there was an element of them living off of us. Not necessarily preying on us, mostly, but living off us. Did you have any wild goats or anything like that that was in the area that they could have been feeding off of? What do you think they ate if it wasn't cattle? Well, I mean, I think that to some extent it was cattle. But there were also neighborhood dogs, and there were rabbits and cats and people out there either let their dogs run wild or let put their dogs on chains and have them with dog houses, so that's easy pickings. And animals would go missing all the time, although we'd usually chalk it up to the coyotes. Were enough animals turning up missing to, in your opinion, support something as big as what they were? If there's only a few of them, possibly. But again, for the most part, we did ascribe most animals that went missing to coyotes. Although we did, in my family, we had a dog that went missing that we couldn't figure out what happened to at one point, like totally missing. Like usually if the coyotes got your animal, there would be remains. On this one, we couldn't figure out if someone had stolen our dog or something or what. And that was that was about a year later, although I kept my suspicions to myself. It sure does make you wonder. Every once in a while, you get a bobcat, too, come down from the hills. Yeah, I could see bobcat picking off a smaller dog or even cats, but for the bigger dogs to go missing or cattle to come up missing or dead, that wouldn't be so easy to explain with bobcats. Yeah, bobcats are not that, they're not the size of mountain lions. They're not that giant. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You talked about being just about five feet away from this creature. When you were that close to it, did you ever smell anything? I didn't smell. I don't recall any smells. I, I never had a particularly strong sense of smell. How long did you live in that area after you had that encounter? Um, well, we moved there in February of 98, and we moved out in either April or March of 2002. So we lived there for probably another two and a half years, maybe. Why did your family leave? My mother couldn't find work out there. My parents divorced shortly after we moved to New Mexico. My father moved to the city, and my mother ended up moving to Albuquerque as well, because that was where the work was. That makes sense, following the work. If you wouldn't have gotten out of there the way you did, how certain are you that you would have been hurt? At the time, 
it didn't occur to me. I mean, I was scared sometimes, and I avoided going out at night, and I sure avoided any abandoned uh, trailers. But, I mean, it wasn't until the Robbie Stroop murder and then later what happened to my mother's tenants, it wasn't until that that it really hit me that I could have been in serious danger. It sure does make you wonder if you would have stayed around, even a week or so more, if something like that would have happened to you. You kind of got into this a little bit ago, but I want to really flesh this out to make sure we're not missing any points here. What features did you see in that creature that convinced you it couldn't have been a man in a costume? It just looked too real. I mean, it was looking at me, and it had a tongue that was twitching, and ears, and a head, and I couldn't, like, with a mask, there's a seam, sort of. Like, when someone's wearing a mask, there's sort of usually a line of demarcation on on the neck where you can see the rubber, even if it's a particularly realistic mask. But that's impossible to hide with a man without a shirt on. And in this case, it was just sort of like, instead of a human neck, it had this sort of dog neck that just kind of sprang up, like... Like, I, I wish I'd gotten a closer look at its neck so I could see the exact place where its human parts start turning to animal. But it, it's so to the point where it's almost like a beard hiding the neck. So you can't, you can kind of see the outline of it, but you can't see particularly close, you know? Well, I can appreciate you saying that now, but I'm so glad you didn't get a closer look. <laughs> yeah, me too. I don't think that would have been good. You talked about heading for the high country once they started kind of gesturing your direction, but did you ever get the impression they were chasing you? No, no, I did not. I mean, I didn't look behind me, but the farther I got away, the uh, the better I felt, and I did not feel they were chasing me. Plus, I, I, it, it occurred to me that even though these things were not normal humans, I mean, this is a five-foot-high fence. If you want to get over that fence and you're an adult man, you're going to have a hard time and you're going to have to go around the other end of the property. So I wasn't expecting them in any way to be behind me. I'm so glad they didn't give chase. I mean, it's weird because I never saw them again, and I certainly didn't go looking for them, but I felt a presence with me constantly for the remaining time we lived there. So It's hard to describe. I just felt like... It was. I felt like it had left something in my head. Yeah, that's pretty commonly reported with dogman eyewitnesses. Let's talk about the healing process now. How much trouble did you have getting over that experience? In the short term, I. I mean, it, I don't think it affected me very much in the short term because I, I just kind of tried to get everything I could to put it out of my mind, try to repress it as much as I could. But as I got older, I started having night terrors, and I still have night terrors to this day that are related to that. So in the long term, it kind of left this sort of scar in my brain that kind of made me kind of noctophobic, you know, fear of the dark. I, I don't uh, I don't like having the closet door open if I'm sleeping. I, I don't like going out at night. That's a big thing for me. Well, I can definitely understand that after an experience like that. This is kind of a pick'em question, but what was the hardest aspect of that experience for you to get over? Just knowing, it's sort of like the veil being lifted. Just knowing that there's things like that out there kind of shatters your attempt to have a totally scientific worldview. Do you consider yourself to be over that experience? For the most part. I mean, when I'm awake, I am. I mean, when I'm having nightmares uh, related to it, I'm not. But consciously, I am. 
You talked about being afraid of the dark and having some other hangups like that, but like I told you in the pre-interview, those are problems that people who haven't had an experience like this are fighting and trying to deal with, so it really doesn't make you all that different from everyone else. Yeah. I mean, I get intense night terrors. Some of them, not all of them, but some of them, it's like I feel that presence with me again, as strong as it was when I'm five feet away from it. That's upsetting. Oh, I'm sure it would be. If you had kids, would you or wouldn't you tell them now that monsters aren't real? I probably would remain neutral on the subject, but would probably be pretty protective of them. Luckily, I don't have any yet, so. <laughs> if you've had a dog man encounter or encountered one of these things, I can't see how it would be easy to sit there and tell your kid that monsters aren't real when you know that something like that is out there. It's certainly something someone who's seen something like that has to struggle with if they decide to have children, yes. That's a problem I'm glad I don't have to deal with. How far did you say you live from where that happened now? I live in Santa Fe, which is probably over 100 miles north. At least you're pretty well removed then. Yeah. Yeah, that's got to help. Please tell us a story behind what happened to your mother's tenants. Well, when we moved out, my mother found people to rent a trailer to own for. A rent-to-own deal, that is. They were a family, two young boys who were a little older than me, and their mother and their father, and they had some trouble. The husband, he passed away in a rather odd accident. He was driving a dry ice truck, and there was a carbon monoxide leak that poisoned him, and he died from that, and things kind of went downhill from there, and this went on for years. The woman who was supposed to be paying the rent was on and off with the rent, didn't pay my mother the rent. My mother was very understanding, and she'd never been a landlord before, so at one point she went a year without getting any rent from this woman, and she ended up taking her to small claims court and basically made her promise, you're going to pay your rent because anyone else would have kicked you out. <laughs> and uh, she said, okay, okay. And very soon after that, she and her two children vanished. This is probably 2006, I think. 2006 sounds right. Maybe 2007. I mean, my memory's a little fuzzy sometimes, but uh, 2006 or seven, she vanishes. And this is, I mean, at this point, the Internet is a thing, and it is very hard to completely disappear from anywhere. I mean... Three years earlier, you could go to the next town over and start a new life, but you can't do that now. People find you, and I don't know if anyone filed a missing persons report on them or anything, but they just, in the wind, you know? And we went to the trailer to try to figure out what was going on, and not only were they gone, but the entire property was really trashed, and trashed in an odd way. There was a lot of trash and a lot of hoarded things, some of which were possibly stolen, like piled up and lots of cigarette butts. Out there, there were a lot of people who had meth problems. I mean, in New Mexico, even before Breaking Bad made everyone aware of it, New Mexico's got a bad methamphetamine problem. And when people trash a trailer when they're on methamphetamine, you know there are burn marks, there are telltale signs. There was none of that here. The copper wire wasn't stripped from the walls, which is sort of your telltale sign that there have been serious drug addicts living here is if they take the copper wire when they leave. Copper wire wasn't taken. These people were just gone. And that disturbed me very much because I felt like I couldn't help thinking that something about the presence of whatever it is that I had seen may have influenced it or taken them. I don't know. I mean, it's, that's a jump to conclusion, but they were gone. 
When you were checking out that area, did you ever find any strange footprints, like ones that might have been left by their feet that had those animal hide style boots on them, or did you find anything else like that? No, no. This is hard grass prairie land. It's hard to leave a footprint. I don't know if their foot wraps would have left anything that looked different from a normal boot. But between that and the, the murder that happened shortly before we left, it was after both of those things had happened that I really started having more night terrors because I realized that these things could have been truly dangerous. Well, you didn't see them ransack that trailer, so I guess we'll just never know on that. From the way you talk about this experience, am I to understand that you never did see them again after that one night when you did see them and have that encounter? Yeah, I never saw them again. I heard the thing with the cattle a few other times or with dogs, but I, I never saw them again. And I think some element of my never seeing them again is I was deliberately not looking for them. See no evil, speak no evil. How many people have you shared this experience with? Not very many. An ex-girlfriend of mine who told me I may have been schizophrenic. <laughs> or asked me if I was schizophrenic. <laughs> oh, no. Did she ask you that after you told her the story? Yes. Yeah, that was awfully mean of her. I'm sure you fully understand how hard it is to believe such a story, not having been there, the way I wasn't there, the way she wasn't there, the way people listening to the show weren't there. I'm sure it comes as no surprise that when you listen to such a story, you're automatically very cautious and very skeptical about whether it really did or didn't happen. I will tell you that you most definitely do not impress me as being someone who's not of sound mind. After the extensive talk we had in the pre-interview, I don't believe you to be a liar either, for whatever that's worth. Well, I mean, there's always an element in my own head that says, did this really happen? Like, I've called it into question myself a million times. Oh, I think for almost anyone who has an experience like that, they're going to feel the same way. It's just so hard to swallow that in this day and age, things like that could be out there in the dark places of the world. But then again, this is a show about dogmen and... It's so hard to believe that something like Dogmen or Sasquatch could be out there. The Sinocephali, if this was a one-off situation where no one had ever reported seeing something exactly like what you say you saw that night, that'd be one thing. But you're talking about seeing something that has been reported since antiquity, and it continues up to present day where people report seeing these things. I really don't know what to make of it, but I do believe you. Oh, thanks. I mean, I do feel like I said, I feel like there's that instinct that says, don't go here. And I think that same instinct is what led people, before they'd mapped out the entire world, to write things like, here be monsters at the edge of the map. I think they wrote that because some people knew what was out there. I think in our own modern age, where we have all this amazing technology and all this stuff, I think, for better or worse, we're less quick to accept these things. Oh, sure we are. Yeah, when we're in the modern age of technology and we can do all the things that we can do, yeah, it's so hard to believe that something like that could be out there, but there are a lot of places that we haven't explored and there are a lot of answers that we still don't have. Yeah. That's how it is. Well, Izzy, do you have any closing comments you'd like to share? Just, if anybody else out there has seen them, you know, you're not alone. <laughs> That's all I have to say as far as that goes, because there is a sensation of feeling alone in this experience, for me anyway, that I've struggled with. You know, it's me and Marco Polo, and that's about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it seems that way. 
Like I said, there are people still to this day who report seeing things like this, exactly like what you said you saw that night. So it's not just you. You're not alone. That's comforting in a way. Yeah, well, I hope it does comfort you. Well, Izzy, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight and sharing this experience with us. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for listening, Vic. Oh, anytime. You know you're welcome. Well, have yourself a great night. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye.